0: Hey, welcome to the Eat to Live podcast. I'm here with my dad, Dr. Furman,
1: and I'm here with my daughter, Jenna Furman. And-
0: the topic we have for you today is we are going to be talking about weight loss and fad diets. Shall we dive in?
1: Yep, and it's really a, a tremendously um, important topic because everybody's like talking about these new weight loss drugs in the market today.
0: I know that was coming, we were on a walk and I remember we were talking about that and I saw some like DMs come in and even my friends were asking me, but I want to, before we get into the weight loss drugs, I want to ask you, what is your definition of a fad diet? What makes it a fad? Because could, could I argue that the vegetarian diet, the diet that you named is a fad?
1: Um, a fad diet has certain criteria. Number one, it's they're advocating exclusion of some food or food group without S- legitimate scientific rationale and the features of the diet usually result in some long-term harm not benefit right so the so it's not beneficial and it usually exclusion of, of some kind of food group that you don't that's not beneficial to exclude and it and it's distorted in some way that makes it not beneficial or not sustainable long-term
0: yeah, the long-term piece, I think, is really key because we were talking about this. I mean, people on keto or carnivore diets see all these wild benefits short-term. And when I tell you about this, it doesn't really surprise you. So it's like what's happening immediately might not be the inner workings of something that's going to affect your overall health long-term, right? So it might not make itself that known that early.
1: Right. You don't. when you smoke cigarettes, you don't get lung cancer after a year of smoking cigarettes.
0: You could actually, it could you help know. you like lose weight, do all these cigarettes things. Cigarettes
1: help you lose weight. Yeah. Right? You know, so, but so you don't you don't. You, don't you might to... be
0: thinking I'm healthier, but like yeah. before you knew cigarettes were bad for you, right? Before like we had all this scientific evidence like you were talking about.
1: People don't have any idea how long cause and effect takes. Mm-hmm. Let me give you one example that's interesting. One of the major causes of colon cancer is the antibiotics people took in their childhood and they get colon cancer as an adult. So this is now I'm saying pediatricians are a major cause of colon and and family doctors, which I'm one, are a major cause of colon cancer because they prescribe antibiotics too easily for viral infections when people are not, were not indicated, or they give them for even bacterial ear infections when they could have recovered, that people could have recovered without, naturally without the drug. I just got chills. So starting these drugs early in life, and then you have, you have um, dermatologists giving young people antibiotics orally for years to reduce acne, which then destines them to have lung cancer or Accutane which can cause other kinds of cancer. So it's giving, so drugs cause cancer. Drugs are drugs. Drugs are drugs. Like if you're
0: popping a pill, it's not like just gonna make you like healthier and better, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, but But antibiotics particularly are are very dangerous.
0: And I I wanna Mm -hmm. just like, I want people to know that you're not necessarily like adamantly, vehemently against antibiotics. Like you put me on them for Lyme Lyme disease. And I feel like that's one of my favorite part about your doctoring is you have all this education around being a family doctor and you know when it's absolutely vital and necessary. Like I was in trouble. And you say, I really don't want to give you these antibiotics, but obviously you need it in this circumstance.
1: Right. There are some circumstances where you absolutely need antibiotics, like pneumonia or Lyme disease, for example. For sure. Um, However, more than 90% of antibiotic prescriptions are written for reasons that the person did not need them.
0: So you're telling me, like, a bacterial... Wait. So antibiotics get bacteria. So if ear infection is bacterial, it's not viral? Correct. In ear infection?
1: No. um, Ear infections can be... They're usually mixed and they could start out, when you're wow. young, they usually start out viral. And then if they get plugging in the ear canal and then they can develop bacterial infections on top of the viral infection. And very often a doctor will turn a viral ear infection into bacterial ear infections by giving antibiotics that, they can, that then select out for more harmful bacteria in the body. And the next per, time the person gets infected, they're more likely to get a bacterial infection because they treated the viral infection with an antibiotic. So what I'm saying is an infection can be viral or bacterial. Got it. They're more serious if they're bacterial, and if the bacterial gets too severe, then an antibiotic is needed. But the body has the ability to prevent bacterial infections in a healthy body and even reverse them without antibiotics when there are when a moderate amount of bacteria present. They right. Really invade tissue.
0: So it's like, you, antibiotics are a good tool to use in modern medicine, but we just prescribe it, as you said, way too easily, actually like eager to prescribe it, I almost feel.
1: Yes, exactly. Even, they,
0: don't people, don't doctors? E- doctors
1: are eager to prescribe them because they feel like that's what the patients want and it makes the doctor look like they're valuable and important because they gave the patient something. Mm-hmm. It makes the doctor not feel like he's doing anything. If he just Rather says, than
0: saying, wait it out, see saying, if it gets better. You're better
1: off if you did nothing because antibiotics are really dangerous drugs that cause cancer. And that, call me back, let's, let's touch base in a couple of days. If you're still getting worse, your fever's not going down, and it looks like it's consolidating, and, and the person's getting sicker. Then we'll start an antibiotic. Right. That's not the same thing. If a person has meningitis or pneumonia, where they can't breathe or have trouble breathing, or you know when pneumonia, the person's really sick. Right. That's, that's different. But most of these things, but um, viral. But in any case, um, doctors know that more than ninety percent of antibiotics are prescribed inappropriately.
0: They know this, you think? Yes,
1: they know that. It's on all the medical literature. It's all the scientific studies. I mean, all the,
0: you're saying it's not ambiguous to figure out. It's not like you're a detective. You no, know, because there's a lot in. of studies
1: done on it. You read the family practice journals. You read the, the magazines doctors read, always discuss studies on how many doctors are prescribing inappropriately. This you know?
0: reminds me of a conversation I had with my roommate you know, a couple of years ago who was in med school. Mm-hmm. And she's saying, but you know, Jenna, people really want the pill. They really want the medication. And mm-hmm. I'm like, but I do feel like it's on the doctor's responsibility to give them the choice.
1: To talk them out of it. Not just to give them a choice. To right. Talk them out of it.
0: Better you know, for to their own. Try long-term to talk them health. out of it if
1: they can if they're not to take drugs. Let
0: them know the facts. Like I feel like we don't even give people education. Like it's built around like, I'm the professional, so I'm gonna have all this education and maybe I'll share with you little bits and pieces. Like a totally different setting but i remember going to the dentist like some people are so scared of going to the dentist because they have no idea what's going on around them or what they're doing in their mouth like it's very scary when you don't know what's going on and like the same thing when you walk into a doctor's office like i i feel like it should start with education and options and know the cause and effect
1: doctors they they don't want to give people the time and education Mm -hmm. so they if you come to a doctor's office with high blood pressure he's not going to explain blood pressure medications increase risk of cancer and can actually increase risk of going into atrial fibrillation or other, you know. But I'd prefer you to change your diet, mm-hmm. lose weight, and cut out the salt, and you can come back to this. We, we can control that. We can use it if the blood pressure is urgently or emergently high. We can right. give you something temporarily. Right. But let's see if we can avoid the use of medication. That's not what doctors do.
0: Right.
1: When people come in for di- diabetes, almost anything that brings into a person to a doctor, the doctor should be the educator trying to convince the person why they are better off changing their lifestyle that caused the problem so they don't need to take drugs, but they don't. Right. And now we have the newest thing is they come to a doctor when they're overweight or obese and now they get drugs to lose weight. Right. And, and these drugs are more effective than ever before because now the drugs really work to lose weight. So the drugs you lose, um, between based on the drug you're using, between 20 pounds a year and 50 pounds a year of weight loss, which is significant. Um, and gastric bypass and lap band placement too, people lose weight, but most often the weight loss and the metabolic benefits from lap band and gastric bypass are not permanent. The people, the body adapts, it's, the stomach stretches out again. And so the, we're talking here the same thing about these drugs. They're very expensive. If you, They cost about maybe 1500 a month, but here's the issue.
0: These drugs cost about $1,500 a month for weight loss, yeah. $1,500 a month to take a drug to make you lose, lose weight. weight. Correct and they work. That's yes. what's so scary. They
1: work is what this, yeah. So, so I'm sure so you're getting
0: to, to this. There has to be a catch. Usually when you take a pill or you want some magic to happen in your body, it's like wreaking havoc inside.
1: That's, that's what the first thing we learned in medical school is all drugs are toxic. They all, the side effects are the effects we do not like, and the effects we like are still the side effects. We're just separating effects into the ones we like and the ones we don't like, but it's all the effects of the drug. And now, besides the side effects and the effects that we like, which is the pharmacologic effects, then the question is, what are the long-term effects? And that might take 10 or 15 or 20 years to really see. Have we
0: studied the long-term effects of these drugs? No, no. So they're so brand new that we don't know the long-term effects. But what you were alluding to is that all drugs have cause and a lot of them increase our risk of cancer.
1: That's correct. And and there's some of these drugs in this category have already shown Increased risk of pancreatic cancer and thyroid cancer. I think it was, um, yeah, I think it was some of the drugs, but not all of them because haven't studied long enough. But the but the drugs they delay gastric emptying. Into emptying, so you just hold the food in your stomach a long time, makes you feel full, and you don't. They delay the
0: gastric emptying. Yes, yeah,
1: so it makes it like you get reflux and indigestion, and that's why you don't want to eat. Because you're
0: feeling the stomach, the food in your stomach, and you're, it's making you think you're very full, even when it's been hours.
1: Exactly. But you're not letting of,
0: that garbage out, like the detox stuff, right?
1: Yeah, which is shortening lifespan because you know that um, when we we want to finish digesting because we heal and repair in the non-feeding, non-digesting state. Right, kind so of when you
0: emptied everything. When out. When you empty
1: everything out, that's the healing phase of the digestive cycle. Yeah. So by keeping the digestive tract busy with less and slowing it down. We're actually aging ourselves more rapidly. And so we're causing, of course, the side effects are nausea and vomiting and constipation and gastroparesis, which means your <laughs> digestive tract doesn't work. And there are some cases of people that are on these drugs, they're relatively new, that they stop the drug because they're, you know, they can't digest food. They're like vomiting and they can't, they can't, and they stop the drug and they still have gastroparesis after stopping it. In some cases, there could be long term gastroparesis even after they stop the drug. So, so-
0: when you take this drug, it's losing weight, that's like a good side effect, and then there's bad side effects, and I liked how you were saying they're all side effects yes, It's just they're all fascinating, effects. yeah
1: you know and the but here's the thing is that being obese is really dangerous, and probably the most dangerous you're putting yourself in a position overeating food and overeating unhealthy food is we know causes heart attacks, cancer, strokes, and dementia and cuts short your life so now people are going to argue these drugs may have side effects but the person just lost 50 pounds so maybe the side effects of the drug is better than the side effects of staying obese and they're right that's how dangerous it is to be overweight that even wow. with these drugs cause cancer and even if these drugs are so risky and age you faster they're still safer than staying overweight than staying obese
0: wow so probably like a person
1: comes in with blood pressure of 190 it's better to give them a drug than keeping the blood pressure 190, but it's better for if sure. they just ate healthy and didn't have to take the drug because they're both bad things. Right, Same like thing you here. can
0: do it naturally. You could yeah. do it with, you know, coaching these this tool belt. Coaching, maybe some counseling if, if you struggle with food addiction and stuff like that. There are tools to really help you. And for some people, it's really easy to make the switch, and it's great. For some people, it's like the hardest thing in the world, and they really have to work at it, like anything that you work at. But it can be done. We see it all the time at the retreat.
1: Well, that's because people are become highly educated in the science and the methodology I teach, but we also teach them the methodology and information about food addiction, the psychological change they have to make in their personalities to enjoy eating this way, the fact their taste buds will change. In other words, we, we instruct them, we hold their hand, we give them There's support. There's a lot of coaching. A lot of coaching. We give them so much information, but among conventional authorities, health authorities and physicians, they see that it's impossible for most people to lose weight. Mm-hmm. We don't see people, impossible people lose weight because we have a successful methodology that works.
0: Totally. Yeah, yeah we we've yeah. seen it work so many times. Yeah. And like... I mean, this is something that's just so fresh, but um, I got to do a little intro session for people that do a Nutritarian Coaching course where they get their certification in Nutritarian Coaching. So there's about like 88 people on this Zoom call, and we're all going around and like sharing our whys of why we're doing this, why, and and hearing their stories about like where they started, how sick they were, and where they are now to like successfully coaching other people in the Nutritarian Diet. Like, I couldn't imagine the number and like the fact that we were all interacting on one call. It was just so cool. And I'm, I mean, I knew it works, but like just being in that kind of close knit community, I'm like it works.
1: Yeah, it's and, really exciting.
0: And, yeah, and seeing the people that actually like made the change and transform and and just do it gave me yeah, it's gave cool. me that's so yeah. cool.
1: You know what's so cool is that you know I'm very passionate about what I do. You don't that, say. And I'm seeing that you're getting passionate about what I do because you're <laughs> seeing the results of the people. You're working with the people, <laughs> oh, and you're seeing the re- what happens. Are you having like, a
0: you know? proud proud dad moment?
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, that's cool. You <laughs>
0: know, probably yeah. the five year old me. You're like. I can't believe this is how she turned out. Yeah, right. yeah I hated doing things that mm-hmm. you and mom told me to do. But yeah, I mean, it, it just, it's like, it, it breaks your heart a little bit when you see people struggle and they don't yeah. like it, have the enjoyment of eating natural foods. Like, I mean, seeing people sick, it, it sucks. It's like the worst yeah. thing to go through that. So if you could help people not have to go through that, like what is a better gift to like age slower, take care of their health? So how could you not be passionate about it?
1: Exactly. And that's the same thing with these drugs. You know, I wouldn't want people to think that they shouldn't take the drug, but there's really a better way. Yeah. Because here's the thing. If you stop the drug, the weight's going to all come back. And you're going to stay on the drug the rest of your life. And and so if the drug's a temporary solution while you're learning how to eat healthfully and take better care of your health, then why do you need it for? Just learn healthfully to take care, better care of your health and save the $1,500 a month.
0: Totally. You know, and the, well, and because... the risk
1: of, And the risk of cancer, possibly, and the risk of developing... Aging you faster. It just makes more sense to do the program that I'm teaching and supporting people with. But of course. Well,
0: it's kind of tricking. Sorry, I just. Yeah. I just feel like it's tricking your mind into thinking that this is going to set you on the path to good health when it's not really. Like, sure, you might be slightly, you might be a little bit better than being overweight. But at the same time, if you're increasing your risk of cancer, like, that's not a great thing. Why not go for the great thing?
1: If Because if the person didn't know about the Nutritarian diet, didn't know all the supportive services we offer people to enable them to do it in comfort and to love succeed. It, to succeed, then they've failed one diet after another. They don't want to have surgery, mm-hmm. and this makes sense for those people because they don't know about my work.
0: Or they think they can't do it, or they, they don't want to, or they, they,
1: they it's too extreme. They they'd think, rather they think just they're die giving early. up too many foods. They'd rather, you know. Eat. So I, I understand why people are doing the drug, um, and I'm not saying I wouldn't ever think it's a good idea for some people to take it. Maybe it's a, it certainly seems safer than staying 200 pounds overweight you know what Mm -hmm. i mean but it's much better if we could get a hold of them and force them to do our program for sure like there was a person that came to the retreat a young woman whose parents forced her to come in she weighed 380 pounds and she has dropped out of college because she couldn't concentrate and she wasn't in good health and she said no way is she going to follow this this is not her choice her parents are forcing her to be here but when she was exposed to the learning, the information, the person, all the teachings, she not only lost weight, she loved this and became became part of her life and she succeeded. Mm-hmm. I'm just bringing it up as an example because if you learn enough about the methodology and the teachings. This does work, even if people don't think they want to do it. And I've had events for years where people bring their husband or bring their wife who doesn't want to do it. They're just coming along for the ride, but they hear the information, they then learn like it, up and they slowly start
0: making changes. Slowly, and then, yeah. like in five years, you check back in, and you're like, "I thought you weren't going to do it." Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and you're like, "I knew you would." Yeah. yeah. But I will say what I also think is really cool. As as you were talking about, like all the things doctors do wrong, there is like a very small amount, and I know they exist because people come into the retreat. I know like I've heard of like cardiologists like slipping patients to your book and being like take this or yeah. and like cancer patients and being like you know you should take a look at this read you know right, watch right, Dr. Yeah. Furman's cancer series. Right. And so there are a few out there and I'm like do they not tell it, it seems like so far few went in between and they don't tell everyone. I guess maybe if like they think you like show a little interest it would just be so great to have more education and we see education all the time. We see education on social media. We see it on the internet. We see it on your website. We see it in physician's office. We see word of mouth. The question is, there's so much education. That's where fad diets come in and where everyone thinks their diet is the next best thing. And you could post about short, short-term short success stories and this and that, and the research isn't there, and they're posting about it, posting about it, posting about it, bringing you a whole new wave of people who think they're on this new fad diet that's really going to make them healthy and fit. Right. right. And that's what's scary too.
1: Yeah, it's scary. The, the, here's, let's talk about the carnivore diet and the keto diet and then mm-hmm. the extremely low-fat vegan diet. We'll talk about some of these extreme or fat diets, but, um, but yeah, they're dangerous. They're really well, dangerous. And, the, and
0: so you, like I want to be very clear, although you call it the nutrient diet, you see it as like a lifetime diet, like a lifestyle. It's not, it's not just a diet. It's a full-on intention behind what you're eating for the rest of your life.
1: Yeah, it's like it's eating for health. Mm-hmm. We're eating for our own good health, because we see our happiness is linked to our health. Mm-hmm. And if we're sick, we're not going to be happy. And if we don't have our physical and mental abilities as we age, we're not going to have a happy and aging. We're not not going to be ha- happy elderly years. Our golden years are not going to be very golden when we're in bad health. And everybody's in poor health in their golden years. Mm-hmm. It's coal years. They're, they're they're What kind of life is that? Then Did you, you just could make see that what, up
0: right now. What's that? Did you just make that up right now?
1: The coal years. Yeah. I don't know. <laughs>
0: That's pretty good. I haven't heard that before. So like you're saying the golden years, like the years as you're aging, like what your 60s to 80 or 50 on. And you're saying it's the cold years. Like those are where you just rapidly 75 to
1: 95. It's yeah. Most people die around age 80. Right. But this, we were able to live to be 95 to 105. And I said, I'm saying the normal lifespan for humans is between 97 and 107 years old. That's the normal lifespan. But what's the point of living that long? if you're not going to be healthy and you're 85, 90s, 95, there's no point living that extra 15 years. People
0: are super sick in their 70s. Like yeah, they're su- very unable to like live and enjoy life. I Correct. see it time after time. Your age and just and such poor health.
1: And they can't say they don't even do anything.
0: I know. I, I don't and like here's the thing, everyone says like I don't care if you know you take 5 years off 10 years, but that is like not the situation. It's like you are set you're sedentary, you aren't if if you took away skiing from you, <laughs> you'd, be, you'd be like, "I'm done. I'm out of here," and that would suck to just be like living for twenty years, not being able to live life to its full potential.
1: You know, do the things you really love to do,
0: mm-hmm. even if they're slower or different. So you
1: live twenty years less, and then you live an extra ten years in bad health. Mm-hmm. So it's like living thirty years less, right? Not even like you're living twenty. They're years They're not less.
0: quality years, yeah. and everyone deserves quality years.
1: Yeah. So the, so the change so we are health enthusiasts because it makes us. More peaceful and more um, optimistic about life.
0: Why would you put it in quotes? Do you not? Why would you put it in quotes? Health enthusiasts.
1: I was going to say health nuts. Health enthusiasts. Oh, enthusiast, oh health what I mean?
0: freaks, as I used no, to no, say. Yeah, right, yeah.
1: yeah, but because it makes it's it's fun, mm-hmm. and it gives you more security and less fear. Living with fear, I can't imagine right. being a normal person. Yeah, (laughs) and being afraid of having a heart attack at any minute. And then you have to go to the doctor going about breast cancer and prostate cancer and worrying about cancer and worrying about, you know, and worry if I'm running for a bus. I mean, it's just like, can you imagine living with the fear of a normal person eating a conventional diet? not knowing
0: yeah. well you're leaving it to chance and there's yeah. a slim chance that you could get out without any potential health problem but the thing is no, there's
1: almost no chance
0: there's almost no chance damn i see i'm always trying to be the optimist here
1: is the slim chance is almost like so slim let me get out then yeah some people live to be uh, 95 to 100 years old mm-hmm. but
0: you hear those stories my grandma smoked a pack like, a day it's
1: so incredibly slim like one in a hundred people right you know what i mean no you because you hear yeah. the
0: stories my grandma my great grandma this this person i know down the street yeah. smoked a pack a day I didn't get cancer like right. so i'm good right and yeah. you're like I wouldn't want to leave it up to chance. What's nice is when you eat a healthy diet, it does give you a confidence. Sure, you don't know what could happen tomorrow, but it gives you a, a really nice confidence that you won't have to spend a lot of hours, a lot of time in the doctor's office.
1: Yeah, and every person that you know has family members that are suffering with cancer, heart disease, strokes, dementia, and all these problems that everybody in America gets if they eat the standard American diet. Right. Okay, then we have the people that switch now to the keto diet. And that is really... A dangerous fad.
0: Can we just talk about what, what's your definition of the keto diet to make sure we have the proper definition here?
1: Yes, it's significant enough carbohydrate restriction so the person actually goes in ketosis. Okay. And so, so it's that, not
0: so much about fat, it's more about the restricting carbs?
1: It's restricting carbs, and their diet is very high in fat. Okay. They're usually eating about 70% of calories from, from fat, okay. and they're keeping carbs below 30%. Protein's about 10 to 20%. And this
0: this yeah. could be any fat, unsaturated fat, saturated They're fat. They're eating a lot of
1: saturated fat, too. Like a
0: lot of meat. It's heavy on meat, heavy on butter, heavy on saturated fat. And they can eat a
1: lot of avocado and coconut and coconut oil and oil right. and things because they want to they exclude carbohydrates. From Pro-fat, calories.
0: anti-carbs. Got it. Right, yeah. So ketosis is when you drop your level of carbs so low?
1: Yes. So, you do, so a lot of people, most people do lose weight on it. But of course, when they go off the diet, they gain weight back again. But it's very dangerous. As fact. Facts are that followed long-term over decades, people double the risk of having a future heart attack. Double the risk.
0: But that makes so much diet. sense to me because you're eating high in saturated fat. These things, This fat clogs your arteries, builds a plaque in your body. Why would your cardiovascular health be normal? That's what I'm asking. Well, well
1: these people are, are distorting science because they're teaching people about, they're following their sugar levels in the blood. And if the sugar levels are down, that's what the most important thing is to them. But they don't realize they've developed insulin resistance they've distorted the shape. It's because saturated fat um, interferes and distorts the shape and function of the insulin receptor. So now they're saying, well, if I eat a piece of oatmeal or a mango, my sugars go up through the roof. Well, yeah, because you distorted your insulin receptors. If you just, if you were... So, on a, okay, wait, uh, wait,
0: wait, sorry. This is, I just want to make sure I'm understanding. Yeah. Ketosis, you're saying, changes their insulin receptors. So the things that are like accepting insulin and like letting it pass through the body to lower your blood sugar is distorting it. So it's not working as well?
1: Correct. The so receptor... The insulin binds to the receptor, which allows glucose to go out of the bloodstream into the cells and into the muscles for utilization. So it keeps you. Glu- you need insulin to keep the glucose down. Right. So the receptor doesn't work well. So now the glucose doesn't go down well. So, so the, now person, the sugar
0: in the blood super high. If
1: they eat carbohydrate, so they stay on eating meat and tuna fish and. Because
0: they've there. lowered it, so there's less. They're so used. Their body becomes used to less glucose, like less sugar in the blood. Because it's not there. And then when you do eat it, the receptors are all distorted because it doesn't know how to process that high amount of sugar. Is that kind of it? No,
1: it's the high fat, particularly saturated fat in the diet. Even though they're not body fat, the Mm -hmm. saturated fat um, distorts and damages insulin receptors.
0: I understand. now when they eat
1: carbohydrate, they're going to have a more dramatic high reaction to it.
0: Okay, okay. But
1: but staying in ketosis long term is so dangerous. For example, a baby or a developing fetus is, you can say, a radar detector or a radioactive Geiger counter for things that are harmful. Right. Women shouldn't eat a lot of fish when they're pregnant because the baby could come out with some problem Or you know, women shouldn't, I've drink, spent women shouldn't my life. drink alcohol because if their baby's going to have some problem with alcohol, but the, the adult doesn't get the damage from alcohol. The baby gets the damage from alcohol, but we know that the damage, alcohol, alcohol damages the baby and the adult, but the baby is the Geiger counter. Yeah. Like the text, it tells us the that The fast reaction. The fast reaction. Exactly. Yeah.
0: No, that makes so much. I've always said, like, I kind of buy baby sunscreen because I'm like, mm-hmm. well, if we are saying it's bad for babies, I kind of don't want to do it either because yeah. obviously it's bad for me too. In the long term, the- right?
1: Exactly. Yeah. That's people don't get. I know, So In the long term. here's this da- data on the keto diet. If a woman's on a keto diet um, up to the point of pregnancy or through her pregnancy, she increases the risk of neural tube defects by 90% with birth defects.
0: That is so If scary. she stops
1: the keto diet a year before she conceives the baby, she still increases the risk of birth defects by more than 30%. That's how dangerous it is.
0: Wow. Do you have any idea why that is?
1: Well, people think it's because you need folate, and the diet is very low in folate, but it's also low in phytochemicals and antioxidants.
0: Right, why and are you just you, isolating Any cells folate. in the
1: body and the baby cells are gonna be damaged. The eggs are gonna be damaged when they're living there. We know that there's an explosion of autism in childhood cancer and acute blastocytic leukemia in children that's linked to the mother the diet. The mother the diet eats up to two years prior to conception, affects the risk of brain tumors and Damn. autism. So we're talking about unhealthy food, eating diets that are eating low vegetable content And then people think they could take folic acid, but in any case, what I'm saying is, diet controls the health of the offspring, and it's a a, you know we know that this is particularly a dangerous diet. But then when we see studies which are finally coming out on keto diets long term, we see they're very dangerous long term, which is which the dangers are hidden. The long term dangers are hidden by the keto community. There's over how many people are on the keto diet? 23 million people in America. I think I wrote that down. Let me just check my notes. How many people follow keto diet in America? 23 million Americans on a keto diet. 23 million.
0: Americans? United.
1: Yes. 23 million Americans. Isn't that amazing?
0: So big. Right. That's bigger than New York City, right? Or I don't know. Me either. Yeah, That's yeah. a good question though. Yeah. But I know like San Diego like, has a million people. So I figure yeah. like, that is so many people. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting too, because I, fo- I mean, yeah, I could show you so- about so many people I follow, but I follow a friend on Instagram who's very into keto or like, yeah, ca- yeah I would say it's keto. Yeah. High fat, low carbohydrate. And they all, you know, they talk about like, natural butter, natural cheese, like raw this, raw that. butter in your coffee. Yeah, butter (laughs) in your coffee, but like natural. Mm -hmm. And like I I hear them when they say we want to eat organic, you know, not processed, like no pesticides. I hear them and I hear that they want to eat whole foods, good. But then when you look at like the meat, the cheese, the this, and then your education on saturated fat, I'm like, that makes so much sense. And Mm -hmm. if I ate that, being coming off a vegetarian diet and ate that, I would feel it immediately. Like I would get heartburn, I would get... Yet. So yeah. it's so interesting that once you have such a clean diet too, you also feel the negative effects so potently, like so so soon. Yeah, absolutely. So it's just crazy, yeah. and it hurts my heart a and little bit. There's even bit.
1: people on this. There's both the carnivore diet. There's the lion diet. There's all these diets that gain popularity with people t- you know take thinking that meat is good and vegetables and beans and nuts are bad with a distortion of science and people. You know how people could believe anything, and they don't really know enough to weigh evidence. They don't have enough training and education and knowledge to know the risks of what they're doing and they have these people, even though we have you know, probably 30,000 studies showing otherwise with 100,000 scientific and nutritional researchers showing it's safe, but they'll still believe this one or two doctor, telling one or two doctor who has a, some degree behind his name Telling them it's good to eat just nothing but meat or something. Mm-hmm. It's the craziest thing. And you thing. just
0: have to be careful. Like, there's a lot of personalities that come into this, but like, yeah. whoever is the loudest in the room isn't always right. Which don't get me wrong, you're quite loud. I've seen your PBS special, but like.
1: I agree with you 100%. Yeah. It's what's happening in the vegan movement. These people who are very bullies and who really are bullying, who really have a big v- voice and a lot of followers take over the movement and, and can and, attack and, others, and give, put yeah, other voices put, down. Yeah, and, and, and give people wrong information with attacking others and putting others down mm-hmm. because it's all about egos and. And your, favor, you know, it's really, it's really ugly. You know, only, the, so the, the nutritional, this field. So talk, is, yeah, you know. tell
0: us about what you feel like is a fad diet in the vegan community, because I know you feel very strongly about this.
1: Well, um, well one thing I wanted, to, I wanted to bring up this idea of how meat-based diets have traditionally um, looked not dangerous, because people could show studies saying, look, here's people who cut out red meat and they still aren't living longer. And they can show numerous studies that looked at if meat was a risk factor for cancer or heart attack. And it's not, because when you cut down red meat, people aren't living longer. And the reason why these people can use these studies is because people switch from red meat to chicken. And when you switch from one type of animal product to another, you don't get significant benefits.
0: Even though you that's, always hear that red meat has like high saturated fat really bad for you, chicken really isn't better?
1: No, it's not. Are you skin? saying that's a true study? Yes, it's animal protein. has a, and, and you cook it, and the way it's cooked, and there's so many... Um, different dangerous factors in eating chicken too. So the reason why the most of the studies, or they switched meat to refined carbohydrates. So okay, now we're talking about processed carbs or something.
0: Right, not healthy options. But
1: now we have, since 2018, we have numerous studies that compare people who cut back on animal protein food and instead replacing it with chicken and processed foods. Instead, they replaced it with whole plant foods that were high in protein. The plant foods that are high in protein are whole grains, vegetables, beans, and nuts and seeds. So now we have four foods, plant foods that are high in protein, which make up the most foods what you eat on your vegetarian diet. Mm-hmm. Whole grains, vegetables, beans, nuts and seeds. For sure. You know. So that's most of what you're eating. So these are relatively high protein plant foods. And these studies done by different researchers around the world, every year show, with hundreds of thousands of people in the study, showing that as you modulate animal protein down and increase plant protein or substitute plant protein, people live longer and have Mm -hmm. a lower risk of all chronic diseases, especially heart attacks, strokes, and cancers. So I can show a couple of, just so people see these five references here. Here's a reference starting in 2016, 2018, 2019, 2020, 2021. A series of five references that show that the title of these studies are, one is association of animal and plant protein intake with all cause and cause specific mortality. The next one is um, associated with plant and animal protein and overall and cause specific mortality, and the other ones associated with major dietary protein sources with all cause and cause specific mortality. So it's all different, and they're all different researchers, not the same researchers. Mm-hmm. all done. So they have many people investigating this information, and these are large-scale studies with many, many people looking at heart endpoints. That means the heart endpoint, a soft endpoint is you lost weight, and your, your triglyceride looks better. Your glucose looks better. A hard endpoint is you had a heart attack, a cancer diagnosis, or you died. It's a more, it's a later life event that's more significant. Right. And we show that the most important thing you could do to live longer and reduce your risk of having a dangerous endpoint is eating more foods that are rich in plant proteins and cutting down on animal protein. So that's unbelievably, so that's one. And then we have um, this study that in regard to total mortality, risk of death, more studies showing we're not comparing it to red meat to chicken, but red meat to um, some other plants to plant food it's about you we see dramatic increased um such as here's like a 36 um, per 36 percent increase in total mortality um and this is just red meat and processed meat of course um and then so we have um numerous studies showing dramatic differences this
0: is how you wrote Eat to live with all these studies around you're saying it's not the chicken
1: Well, when I wrote my books, I had a big file cabinet in those days (laughs) of hundreds of studies that I had filed. And I'm going and writing books took a long time.
0: Did you know immediately what your diet would be? Like, did you know this when you were, was it like kind of like putting together a puzzle from all these studies?
1: Well, I kind of had an idea because I was spent my life for decades reviewing and reading these studies. So I had file, and I always filing them and organizing. You them. printed them out. Yeah, I printed them out because we didn't have computers in those days. That were like as easy as to store them on Word Process. So it has to have like files and files in my offices. That when we're talking about forty years ago, I had mm-hmm. files and files and files and files of studies of organized: breast cancer, colon cancer, really? you know, heart disease studies. This study, that study. I had books to the zoo, and but yeah. now this more simple because we have everything online, and we can find it better. And we can. Own the, um, were paper. there
0: studies back then that corroborated all this evidence?
1: Yes, yeah, so well, that's when my first book was written in nineteen ninety six. Right. So there's a lot of study references in fasting and eating for health and food, eat to live, which was published in 2004, was written around two thousand to two thousand three.
0: Right. You know, so
1: yeah, there were a lot of studies. I have you know.
0: Put, Even though it's such a new field, it existed. All of that information was available.
1: Yes, there's a tremendous accumulation of studies done over the last. The, over the last 20, 30 years. Mm-hmm. That's been really... You
0: know, no real changes in your diet? Or what would you say was like the biggest change that you made after new studies came out? Or was it really corroborating all what you've thought?
1: Um, the biggest change I made was um, recognizing the beneficial effects of onions and mushrooms mm-hmm. and that the need to eat, and cruciferous vegetables and onions to actually eat them raw, in the raw form, when you, to, um, to keep, maintain those nutrients in them. Um,
0: so, some like fun additions, like ways to even like supercharge your health, I will say. Yeah. yeah.
1: But mostly what the changes and what I've learned is in the field of addiction and enabling people to do this more readily. When I first started out doing this 20, 30 years ago, I'd have a much higher failure rate when, pe- when I'm telling people what to do. Now I have much more knowledge in how to help people do this successfully and comply with the recommendations enjoy it more change their personalities their psychology make it so they can really understand this and really um i have a more impact in enabling people to do it yeah